The last uh, couple of months, uh, Wednesday nights have been, uh, they've been really busy for me. And so I haven't been here teaching on Wednesday night. And I just want to thank, you know, Paul and John and Jim and all the guys who've come over and taught here on Wednesday night. I've been able to listen to some of the sessions and hear some of them online and hear some of them uh, here. And they've just been great and encouraging and a blessing. And I want to thank them for uh, their hard work and doing those things in these weeks. And tonight, I want to kind of wrap up this series on the gifts of the Spirit and share a couple of things with you about the gifts of the Spirit. Here's what I want to know, want you to know though. You were not meant to be a bench sitter. You were not created to be an also-ran. God gave you specific gifts for you to be an all-star, for you to be a world changer, for you to make a difference in the world that we live in. And the power of the Holy Spirit, this third person of the Trinity, please remember, it's, he's not an it. He's not simply like we talk about ourselves and say Mark's spirit. It's not simply God's spirit. He is a person. Just like Jesus is a part of the Trinity and God the Father is part of the Trinity. God the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit has a work to do. Specific work. And we've talked about that on Sunday morning. If you've missed it, get online. Go back to the first, the week right after Easter and begin to listen to some of those things about what the Holy Spirit does, what his work is in our life. And, and begin to capture what this is and begin to pray for God. If you don't know your gifts, begin to pray for God to show you your gifts and begin to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let me just ask a very simple question today and I don't want to embarrass anybody, don't want to put anybody on the spot, but how many of you in this room, but I'm going to anyway, <laughs> how many in this, in this room have been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Raise your hand up real high with me tonight. All right. I want you to understand this is a, a gift that has been very abused from the very beginning of the church until today. It's a gift that gets, it, it's a gift that gets, uh, neglected and attacked it's a gift that is hard for people to understand and I don't know why it's so hard to understand but today and, and maybe next week I want to talk I know Pastor Jim talked about some of it last week I want to talk about some more uh, today so if you have your Bibles open them up to Acts chapter 2 And I just want to challenge you tonight, be open to the Word of God. Be open to the Word of God and let God speak to you. I, I'm not just talking to those who haven't been filled with the Spirit. 
in the, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I'm talking to all of us. Because I'm telling you, there's some traditions, some emotional things that happen in the lives of those of us who have, have this experience that are just as wrong as neglecting this and saying I don't want it or I don't need it. I've had several people over the years of my life tell me I'm a Christian, I don't even want that gift. And that is a dangerous place to be, to look at the Holy Spirit and say, there's something you tell me I should be seeking and I don't want it. I don't want to be that person. But I understand how people get there. I understand how they get to that very place. And I just want to make sure we're, none of us get to that place. And if you're sitting here tonight and you go, wow, I just think that whole thing's kind of freaky. What do you think the rapture is? <laughs> the rapture's a little freaky, isn't it? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things in this faith thing that are freaky, that are just outside the norm that the world looks at and doesn't get, that our flesh doesn't necessarily understand. What do you think it is that God can step in, out onto the nothingness and speak worlds into existence? That's a little bit mind-blowing, isn't it? That God will speak to us and when we're dead and we will stand before him. There's a lot of things in this that are freaky. So don't let something, just because it's freaky, make you run away from it. Just make sure you, you, you look and see what all the, the Bible gives us enough information for us to make good, holy decisions. It tells us what we need to know. It doesn't tell us some things. And if, when I look at those things, I just assume God doesn't think I need to know them. When God says, the word says, God spoke out and stepped out of nothing, spoke worlds into existence, he doesn't tell us how that happened. People get in all kinds of arguments about how that happened. Christians argue about how that happened. Did it happen this many days or in this many days? Was it days? Was it years? Was it thousands of years? They argue about all this. Apparently God didn't care. He didn't, he didn't tell us how he did it. He just says he did it. So I'm just going to rest in that. And people can sit and tell me, well, if you don't believe exactly what I believe, you're going to hell. What I always look at them and say is this. What I understand about heaven is this. If I call on the name of Jesus and ask him to forgive me of my sin, I will be saved. If I trust him and trust his word. It doesn't say trust him Trust his word and get your creation doctrine right. It doesn't say trust him, trust his word, and get your second coming doctrine exactly right. Do you understand? We're going to get to heaven and find out we had a lot of things wrong. We missed it in a lot of places. We didn't understand it. We're seeing through a, we're seeing through a glass dimly right now. We get to heaven, it's all going to, oh, so that's what it was. Oh, I get it now. Because we are not supposed to live by knowledge. We're supposed to live by faith. God gives us the knowledge we need to have, and the rest of it, he says, faith. Believe me. Believe me.
So let's look at this. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave, it, gave them utterance. Now, guys, these are the disciples. These are the apostles. These are these guys who have followed Jesus, men and women who followed Jesus, put their trust in him, that Jesus has looked at at the time of ascension, and he said, he's looked at them and said, okay, I filled you with all kinds of knowledge, but you're still lacking something. They put their belief in him. They followed him. But he knows they need something else. He knows they need something else. And so he's looked at him and he said, go to Jerusalem and wait until power comes upon you. So for 10 days, these guys are waiting. Guys and gals are waiting. And the Holy Spirit falls. And we get this experience that they testify to here in Acts chapter 2. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under, the, under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them in, their, in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Perithians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselyte, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue, tongues the mighty works of God. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mockingly said, they're filled with new wine. They're, they're, they've gotten drunk early in the morning. See, from the very beginning of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, people have been saying, that's just crazy. That's just, that, they've got to be drunk or something. From the very, very beginning, blind eyes don't get it. They don't get it. So why would we expect anything different today? Now, I want to point a couple things out just, just historically. When we think of, of Pentecost, we think about the day described in Acts 2. That's what we think about. But you have to realize, these people were there for one of the festivals it was the festival, it was, it was, that was called Pentecost. The baptism of the Holy Spirit happened on the day of Pentecost. And now we have kind of taken the name and transformed it into it being, you know, Pentecost. We think of Acts chapter 2, and then we get kind of confused because we, we, well, how did it happen on the day of Pentecost? Is Pentecost, how does that all that take place? Well, it's because it was already Pentecost. Pentecost was a, 
it's a word derived from the, from the Greek word which stood for the festival celebrated, listen, on the 50th day after Passover. In the Old Testament, this festival was called Weeks in Judaism. It's referred to as the Festival of Weeks in Exodus chapter 34 and Deuteronomy 16 because it occurs seven weeks after Passover. Other names that you read will be the Feast of Harvest in Exodus 23 because of its relationship to the harvest and the Day of First Fruits. So it's called the Day of First Fruits in Numbers 28 because two loaves who have newly ground grain were presented before the Lord. This latter name, however, should be distinguished from the offering of first fruits at the beginning of the harvest seasons, as mentioned in Leviticus. The Feast of Weeks is one of three Old Testament pilgrimage festivals when individuals were to appear before the Lord with gifts and offerings. That's why they were there. Devout men were there doing that. It's one of the reasons why God poured out his spirit on that, that very moment because all these people would be there. They would see what would happen. Many of them would get saved and they would go back out into their world and talk about it. God's a smart God. He knows exactly what he's doing. Again, the, the festival is primarily a, a harvest festival and celebrate the end of the barley harvest, the beginning of the wheat harvest. Traditionally, grain off uh, harvest extended from Passover when the first grain was cut around mid-April to Pentecost, which marked the conclusion in mid-June. Uh, so there, that's, that's where we get Pentecost from. So we've redefined this word. Now what happened? What happened? There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I've seen movie depictions of this. And in movie depictions of this, everybody's getting blown around all over the place. The Bible doesn't clearly say, if, if we get to heaven and we get the video out, the DVD out, and they are actually, there's a wind in there, won't blow me away that that happened. But the Bible doesn't clearly say that's what it says. A sound like a mighty rushing wind. A sound like a mighty rushing wind swept. They could hear something, something. The spirit was moving and revealed himself in a sound to them. While that's going on, while that's happening, tongues of fire rested on each one of them. That's a picture in your mind, isn't it? I wonder what that looked like. Tongues of fire on each one of them. And the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now it goes on to say, each heard them speaking in their own language. Now you want to get a debate going amongst some theologians at times, ask them how that happened. Were there various people speaking in various languages or were they all speaking in a heavenly language and they heard it in their language? So we can, you, you want to have fun, you can argue about that all day long. We can go look in the Greek and see what each word means and try to parse it out and figure out what happened. I'm just telling you, it's one of those things I don't care about. 
It just doesn't doesn't shake me up. Whichever way God did it, they heard God being glorified in their language because these men and women were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in some language they didn't know and these people heard God being glorified in that language. They heard it, they received it, and it was transformational in their life. Now think about this for a minute. You've got these men and women. They're not ready to do anything. They're hiding out in the upper room. And by the end of this day, they are making so much noise that the whole city stirred up. The whole city stirred up and people are passing judgment. Some are saying, wow, this must be the voice of God. Some are saying they're drunk. All kinds of things are happening in the middle of it. At the end of the day, 3,000 people are saved. 3,000 people are added to the church at the end of the day. So here's a question. Do you believe this happened? I mean, ask that deep down in your heart. Do you believe this happened just like Luke wrote it? (laughs) Is this a true biblical story? Did, Did they hear a sound like a mighty rushing wind? Did tongues of fire really rest on these people's heads? Did they really have an experience in the Spirit that gave them an utterance, a spoken word? And did people really hear it in their own language? Did it happen? What do you think? Is this this an error in the Bible? Or is it true? What what does that say deep down inside of your own heart? People are saved. The church starts to act like the church. This is what happens immediately following this. People get saved, 3,000 of them. You read in Acts, the church starts acting like the church very publicly. People are being added to the church every day. People get healed. Lame man. Lame from birth, gets healed very publicly, and it stirs up the whole community. They're proclaiming the gospel, the hope of Jesus, and what happens to them. It's really important for us to see this. The whole city embraces them, loves them, and follows it, right? No. They run headlong into opposition. Are you ready for that? This is why they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons they needed this great, powerful gift from God stirring in their spirit is they were going to face opposition. And they ran into it headlong. Opposition. I mean, it's just an amazing thing what's going on. And opposition happens. It's all a part of this 
spiritual battle. So in Acts chapter 4, after they face this opposition, it says, and when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So now we have the second event. They're filled with the Holy Spirit again. They're touched another time. The indication of the word is that we need to be continually seeking and being filled with the Holy Spirit. They needed a new touch for the opposition they were beginning to face. It wasn't that the old touch was weak. It's that they need to keep walking in the Holy Spirit. Now you go on a little bit further in the the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 8 says, but when they believe, Philip has gone out and he's preaching and telling people the good news in another community. It says, when they believed Philip, as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. What does that sound like to you? It sounds like people got saved. What'd they do? They believed in Jesus to the point that they were baptized. So let me just say this as a side note. If you haven't been baptized in water since you were born again, get a connection card out tonight, put your name on it, put baptism on it, leave it at the information booth, we'll get in touch with you. You need to get baptized. You just need to do that. That's just a side, that's just, you know, a rabbit trail over here. But this is what happened, they're baptized. And there's this guy there named Simon that's been kind of a sorcerer, kind of a, a, a guy that they've all been kind of afraid of. And, but even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. So this guy named Simon puts his faith in Jesus and is baptized in water and continues with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he's amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John who came down. And now what do they do? These are saved people. These are, these are people who've been baptized. What do they do? They came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Saved believers, baptized people. They pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them but they had, been, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given to them through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Now I just want to stop here and, and point this out to you. Simon saw something. They didn't just pray, oh, let the Holy Spirit move. Oh, yeah, we think the Holy Spirit's moving on. He saw something. He witnessed something. And he said, I, I want to be able to do that. How much does that cost? I'll pay you to teach me how to do that. Here's some cash on hand. I'm, I, I, want to, I want to be one of you guys that can go around doing that, saying, give me this power also so that anyone whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He saw something. 
Now he gets rebuked for that and has to repent. But he saw something. What were Peter and John concerned about? When Peter and John got there, they didn't just rejoice that they were saved. They didn't just rejoice that they'd been baptized. They didn't just rejoice that they'd received the word of God. They did rejoice in all that, but then they said, have you received the Holy Spirit? There was something else. That they, Peter and John, wanted them to have. And it's this gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we go a little bit further. In Acts chapter 10, while Peter was still saying these things, what's happened is Cornelius has called, has had this vision to send for Peter. Peter's had a vision to go to Cornelius' house because he wouldn't go there normally because he was a Jew and Cornelius wasn't. And God's told him, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. I'm going to go. He's, so God's prepared Peter to break his traditions. Now, we need to break our traditions by reading the Word of God. But Peter didn't, this, this whole thing's getting changed. And so God shows up in a dream to Peter and tells him, get to Cornelius' house when these men come. And he goes to Cornelius' house, asks him what's going on, and he begins to proclaim the word of God to these Gentiles, the people they weren't even sure could get saved. They weren't even sure they could come to Christ. They thought there was this elite group this kind of nonsense goes around in the church world today. There's an elite group. It's only this elite group that gets saved. It's only certain people that get saved. No, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus gets saved. God wants every man to be saved. So while Peter was saying these things, kind of feeling this out, trying to figure what's going on here, what's God doing, God shows him what he's doing. While he's talking to them about the things of God, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Doesn't say tongues of fire fell on them. We don't, we don't see that anymore. We don't see any other rushing wind anymore. What we see is people speaking in this heavenly language. And they're amazed that the Gentiles get to do this. What God is saying is, they can be part of my kingdom too. I'm going to fill them with my power too. In Acts chapter 19... And it happened uh, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, so listen, who did he find? Who did he find? Can you say it? He found some disciples. Who did he find? What's well, a disciple? It's a, it's a student of Christ. It's a follower of Christ. He found some disciples. And what does he say to them? 
Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, we know it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to salvation. These are disciples. These are followers. But Paul looks at him and says, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're a follower, but let me ask you a question. Really important question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who is to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And what happens? They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. So, do you believe in Acts? Do you believe the book of Acts is scripture? Paul says in Timothy, to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now, I'm going to wrap this up for tonight and we'll go on next week because we're out, we're out of time. This is one of those topics that when I talk about it and as I talk more about it next week, you'll begin to understand why. I get shot at from both sides. There's a, a group of people who are what we call cessationists. Cessationists say they're followers of Christ, but at the end of the apostolic age or at the right of the Bible, all the gifts, all these things cease to be. And we'll talk a little bit more next week about why they say that. These things cease to be. So when you talk to these people about spiritual gifts and the moving of the Holy Spirit, uh, it's too freaky for them. They want everything to be mental. I heard a great message today, a good message today from Dr. Gordon Anderson. And he talked about the need for us to be not either or, but and both. And in and both, friends, spirit and truth. Not one or the other. We can't dismiss biblical truth because we say we're spirit-filled and do crazy things. The Bible, here's why I get shot at from the other side. The Bible does not teach us to bark like dogs. Just doesn't do it. The Holy Spirit doesn't lower my language. The Holy Spirit raises my language. I don't become less of a communicator I become a greater communicator. So I, I can't just dismiss the Bible and go do crazy stuff because I say, oh, the Holy Spirit moved on me. No, he didn't. He did not. The, it's not what the Bible says. So when I, when I say that, there's this ultra-Pentecostal, charismatic group that wants to say, 
Whatever we do in the name of the Holy Spirit is free to do it. We can act any way we want to. If we want to jump up and interrupt a service, we can jump up and interrupt a service. We can do whatever we want to do, and nobody can judge it, and nobody can stop it, and nobody can say anything about it. And I just tell you right now, nonsense. It's not biblical. It's not true. We'll talk about that next week a little bit more. On the other side, you've got people who've justly maybe seen some craziness or been taught something and are stuck in a form and they want to say, there's nothing to it, it all ended. Nonsense. These people want to really talk about the Bible and dismiss all the book of Acts and what happened in Acts saying, that was for the past. Here's my question for you to think about this week. Why? Why? Why would God take his power away from us? Do you think for a second we need it less than they needed it? Goodness gracious, we live in a day and age where people can't figure out what bathroom to go to. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you say something, you're a bigot. If you say something, you're small-minded. If you say something, you're hateful. If you say something, you're prejudiced. Friends, that's not going to get changed by an argument. That's going to get changed by the power of the Holy Spirit moving in people's lives. We're going to talk next week about what all the Holy Spirit does in our life and why you should want it. Why you should seek him. Why we should be a people who want his presence in our life. And how he works in the church. In healthy, good, powerful ways. Not in craziness. I mean, it, it, I say that. It just, if you define craziness as not biblical... Because what's biblical does look crazy to people sometimes. But it's also powerful. Extra biblical craziness turns people off. Biblical craziness transforms people's lives. It cuts to the quick. It gives us power. And we'll talk more about that next week. God didn't leave us alone. And I just want to tell you, if, if you've not experienced this, we're not looking for an experience of speaking in tongues. We're looking for the Holy Spirit to baptize us. The common evidence of that that you see in the Bible is people speak in tongues. And we'll talk about what all that does next Wednesday night. Is that okay? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, we want to be Bible people. We want to be a people of truth. And Lord, as we see the truth, we want to be a people of the Spirit. We want those two great gifts, your, the, your Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to fill us and lead us. And we want your word to guide us and direct us. Because we know, Father, that 
through your word and through your spirit, will be the people you'd have us to be. We want to worship you in spirit and truth. We want to walk in spirit and truth. So I pray that, Father, in these days ahead and these weeks ahead, that you'll, Father, put a new hunger in all the members of our congregation, not just the ones here, but in all of our hearts, to be led by your spirit while our feet are firmly planted in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in the name of the Lord. I love you.